0: welcome back everyone to point of sale the show where we break down great retailers and the data and technology that moves their supply chains now we have a wonderful guest with us today from the Shopify fulfillment network and course, that means we have a lot to talk about, but I figured why not stack a nice little cherry on top of that Sunday and hit on some recent news from a report that I I got my hands on from the National Retail Federation on retail crime. Now, I want to bring this up briefly before our interview because, uh, well, one, we're going to be talking with a wonderful provider of not only technology, but of course, networks in order to fulfill our supply chains. But uh, it's an interesting story here in this report on retail crime and, more importantly, how retail crime prevention might actually be hurting a number of sales in stores. So, to start off with a little bit of context, this has actually turned into about a $100 billion yearly problem. Worst cities, of course, to see retail crime happen in, in a lot of our major ones LA, San Francisco, New York, Houston. Miami, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, Seattle, Sacramento, Atlanta. Hey, <laughs> make it one of the top freight cities, and it's probably happening there. And if we can bring up a chart really quick from the NRF on items that are stolen, uh, they range from all different types of areas. Of course, well, you'll notice a lot of them are issues we've had. Infant formula is a, a big problem this last year with our supply chains. But a lot of it's gonna be high, high, expensively expensive goods. Uh, more luxury items. Uh, but of course, as we get into or fall d- into more of a recessionary period, a lot of those items are going to start turning into everyday goods. And from this survey itself, what was interesting is from retailers, about 26.5% of them said that it's becoming more aggressive and more organized crime, less so much of just people coming into stores, stealing right from the stores, but happening along the supply chain. Now, uh, it's interesting, we even saw, and we, I, you know, I can't have an episode without bringing up Walmart, uh, but Walmart's CEO told CNBC, CNBC in December that the amount of theft that's happening in stores has even made some retailers, including Walmart, question whether or not to have stores altogether. Uh The retailer's actually closing five stores for underperforming. And two pickup locations as well dealing with a lot of the uh, retail crime, not just at the end store, but throughout their supply chain. And that brings us up where's the stuff really happening? If we can bring up that chart really quick, you'll see a good percent of it's actually happening throughout our supply chain, what we're responsible for, what a lot of our readers and listeners. Uh, are part of the DC to stores at stores in particular, which is normal and route to manufacturers of DC's distribution centers. A lot of this is happening because people are watching these stores in particular, 54, 52.4% of retailers said uh, in the national retail Federation report that they're actually looking to increase their budget for capital and equipment to slow down theft. That's including sensors, smart shopping carts, things in the store, locked cases. You've probably seen that a lot, right? A lot of that technology that beeps and buzzes when someone uh, might be trying to steal something. Now, this is at the store. And this is where the interesting phenomenon is happening. Well, they're starting to find it's actually deterring shoppers. Uh, I, I'm one of those, if I'm going down to, I've got a dollar general pretty close to me. There's a lot of that kind of stuff inside dollar general. Now, if I can just go home and, or even at the dollar general purchase that item on Amazon's cart without, without having to interact with some uh, human or employee, I'm likely to do that. And, And much of those stolen items now being so easily, uh, accessible online, uh, they're seeing less of those of those items being bought in stores. So well, how do we solve it? If we can't protect it with technology, and that's actually deterring on our shoppers, well, it sounds like uh, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, who put out a poll themselves, found that 98% of people that are in stores are legitimate customers. So we are almost over-investing in protecting what's in store. And instead, it almost seems like we need to start looking at ways to combat the organized larger crime that's happening throughout our supply chain. And actually, like most of what we've seen in the past year or two, uh, the government's kind of on it. Uh, Interesting in itself, uh, we have recently the 2023 Combating Organized Retail Crime Act, which is creating specific groups within Homeland Security to support state's and different retailers in not just investigating these crimes, but supporting the training of employees to watch for these type of crimes or the behavior that might lead to these crimes, right? Vehicles outside of warehouses that aren't familiar, maybe loitering, things of that nature. Uh, This actually uh, takes effect in this June as well. The Integrity Notification and Fairness and Online Retail Marketplace or the Informed Consumers Act, This actually is going to require online marketplaces to verify the identities of their high volume third party sellers, right? Because what's happening a lot of times, maybe let's take a tennis shoe or some type of fashion item is stolen between a distribution center and and warehouses, and uh, they take that and they go ahead and they put that uh, extra inventory, stolen inventory, on Amazon, on eBay. Well, the Informed Consumers Act is looking to stop that. But what about? Another help, helpful face, I think, in this area, and that would be visibility players. If we can bring up the chart showing the most challenging points for receiver or for sh- uh, retailers, it's everything to do with anything that's not their store. I mean, 47%. So their number one was en route from DCs to stores. Uh, we have another uh, number two at distribution centers, high, high percentages. in the places that, well, in my opinion, I think these visibility players are are really, their true value. When you talk about companies like Project 44, like Four Kites, uh, like Tive, uh, and numerous others, Overhaul, et cetera, especially Overhaul, right, who focuses on crime in particular, uh, this is where their calling is. And so I think it's important if we looked at how high those areas are rated, where can we, you know, continue to invest in those areas? And And instead of investing in the in-store tech, investing deeper into our supply chain uh, technology players, our freight tech players out there today. And it's becoming, like I said, more organized. It's going to take big solutions to track and follow and diagnose who's stealing these. And uh, most retailers, 68.5% of them, don't have a way to combat organized crime or even have an organized crime center within their four walls. They're within their headquarters. If they do, the size is about, for a median type of uh, retailer, seven people. Uh, and the max on that uh, survey was like 13. And we're talking large retailers that were a part of this. And like I said, it is becoming more and more aggressive. We can bring up that organized crime violence chart as well. Uh, you can see that um, there's some big areas, or it's becoming more and more aggressive and actually go back to that last chart as well. I think this is important where they're actually looking to invest in the technologies. RFID systems are going to be huge. A lot of these, if you read through them, you're probably thinking, "Wow, I've heard our visibility players talking about these and that's because you have. And so when we talk about visibility or V2 or what this next version of visibility is going to be besides just tracking our truck, and I think this is huge. Is that we need to start tracking the actual products? We're getting there. Tive's got some really great uh, areas with their different solutions that have come out recently in their trackers. I think that we're getting to the point where we can start to catch and uh, prevent this organized crime more and more. But they're as they're getting just as smart as we are. So uh, this is an episode for everyone out there is wondering, hey, what's next in visibility? especially in the retail sector. Well, I think this is one big area where we could use their help. So go ahead and check that out. I'll try sharing it too with everyone on our social media sites once we put out this episode. But again, that's National Retail Federation, their report on organized retail crime. And uh, think about the next time that you want to add maybe another sensor to your store because you might be pushing a few people away. Now let's get to some people that are actually helping promote and make our uh, retail supply chain uh, a lot more uh, efficient. And of course, to keep up with a large amount of e-commerce orders that we've seen over the last couple of years. I don't think we could have a better company here with us today, uh, but a, an even better guest as well. Samaya Shrinagash-Tolos, thank you so much for joining me. She is the Chief Customer Officer over at Sh- Shopify's Fulfillment Network. Again, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Grace. It's great to be here. So this is really exciting. You have a really interesting background and career, and of course, how you've you've joined Shopify. I think is pretty interesting. We covered it here at FreightWaves. Can you tell us about your career and tell our audience what brought you into the logistics space and into your CCO uh, role that you're in today?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking the question. well, a little bit about me. I grew up in the Bay Area, and um, I think I always knew that I wanted to be in the technology industry. Um, after college, I did a short stint on and realized that, you know, what I really care about is empowering entrepreneurs. Um, and so I made a big shift and worked at companies like PayPal and Twilio Deliver and now Shopify that are all built on the foundation of how do you empower entrepreneurs to harness the power of the internet to really build exciting global businesses across financial services, customer engagement, and now logistics. Um, And I was really, really excited and inspired by Harish's vision for Deliver when I went through the CCO interview process. And what he told me that was really special um, is that Logistics is one of those industries where you really need hundreds of millions of dollars of capital to compete to meet the customer experience expectations for today. Um, And for the ambitious e commerce entrepreneur, logistics, getting it wrong, might be one of the things that is most likely to kill your business. Um, And so it's very motivated by the opportunity to create something differentiated and new for. Um, entrepreneurs out there
0: yeah I think you you hit the nail on the head in a couple points one what makes me very excited about the work that you're doing is consider going even let's say 30 years back becoming an entrepreneur and becoming a business owner or a merchant of some sort the work in the barriers to entry that were involved with that right and now because of Shopify and because of the work you did at Deliver, we're in a space where a company could pop up and follow their entrepreneurial dreams within one week. You know, that might even be adding too much time to that timeline, right? And so I want to say thank you to you because I think you really are helping to democratize, democratize the way that entrepreneurs and merchants can come to the table and compete. And with that being said, I'm sure there's a huge amount of hurdles that you're helping with. What do you find are the biggest challenges right now that retailers are facing in their supply chain today? And how is your group and Shopify looking to address those challenges?
1: Uh, uh, it's a great question. I would say the first that's come up, especially with this macroeconomic climate, is managing your unit economics at scale. Um, and today, I spend all day on the phone with merchants who are really looking to grow their business, but it's impossible if you're a merchant who's starting out um, or if you're a merchant who's looking to 5x their business to plan for that if you don't truly understand how much it costs you to sell, ship, pack, um, and even manage returns across every order that you're doing. Um, logistics for me is like that sofa where all your pennies go to hide and you're like, how do I have $50 and change now with my sofa? Um, and I talk to merchants where like we go through their invoice and you're like, it's 25 bucks here for a strap and $50 an hour for this service. And you know, and it adds up and what you thought was going to be 8% of your revenue, maybe going to logistics, all of a sudden became 16 and you didn't even know. Um, And what we're really doing to innovate there is that we provide a transparent, all-inclusive fee structure that includes picking, packing, shipping, everything you need, all of the software we provide. We do not charge surcharges and value-added fees and all of those gotchas that can, at the end of the month, really, really be crippling for an entrepreneur, for growing business.
0: No, that's a uh, it's a big piece, and especially dependent on you know the mode that you're taking, whether it's you're you're moving large product and large large truckloads or if you're more small parcels type of of merchant or retailer it's uh those pennies uh, can can even become more maximized as you enter these different modes that you may not have clarity of or have any experience in and it's nothing against entrepreneurs themselves, but I've rarely met someone who is an entrepreneur that makes something incredible, right? Creates some type of good that's really truly changing the environment in, but also somehow has the magical uh, intelligence of supply chain and they rarely come together. Right. And that's what's great is you get to be there to help uh, facilitate that knowledge and help them grow. How would you say the pandemic, in particular, affected the demand for your your services? And how did the network? And I know you were Deliver at some point, but even so, even with Deliver, how did you take steps to adapt to the needs of your customers through those changes?
1: Uh, another really phenomenal question, and it kind of ties back to I think one of the second biggest challenges is that merchants are facing, which is being nimble. Um, the pandemic has obviously introduced massive volatility and unpredictability into the supply chain. Um, that means that now I think retailers and brands really need to build their business and choose partners who are building their business where designing for being nimble is core to everything that they do. Um, in the last couple years, we've seen the pandemic go from a huge inflow of merchants flooding to e-commerce and consumers flooding to e-commerce to then pulling back in certain sectors, inventory being scarce and impossible to get, to then merchants sometimes being overstocked on inventory positions. And so to me, the pandemic hasn't just created a new status quo that we engineer from, it has created... An environment where the only constant is change. And so what we're really focused on is designing for bursts in capacity. How do you go up and down when your demand changes, when your supply changes? How do you design for flexibility in your inventory? Moving channels from direct to consumer to B2B as those demands spike and wane as the business changes. Um, One of, I think, the things that's really important our merchants today is to be able to pin it quickly based on the facts on the ground so they're one step ahead of their
0: customers. Yeah, uh, we saw the impacts that inventory had for a lot of big retailers, right? This past year, uh, uh shells uh, being too stocked at some point, and even with prices falling, that exactly. uh, consumer wasn't in the place to buy it all, right? So it's it gets you stuck in this totally. really odd place. How do you, um, how do you oh. work maybe? Oh. Go for it. Sorry. <laughs> I was say, it um, brings up
1: just a, a story that I think is kind of relevant for this talking yeah. point, which is we um, work with an amazing merchant called Ball Chain. And you might not have heard of their company, but you've certainly seen attached to every lampshade or window window shade or uh, medical yeah. bib at the dentist, all those little iron ball chains, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, they're a huge company. They're one of the only sellers of that product in the United States. And when the pandemic started, they actually saw an opportunity to start selling masks. They already sell a ton of these ball chains to healthcare companies. And they found that they could source like really great N95 masks um, abroad and sell them to their same audience. And by being agile, by working with us, they were able to launch an entire logistics solution to sell millions and millions of these masks all around the United States really quickly. And I think that's just a telling example of like how quickly you can evolve your business to capitalize on new opportunities, to add value in really critical areas um, when something like the pandemic comes in your way. Um, and that's an example of what I mean by being le- like logistically nimble, how do you kind of adapt your entire distribution solution to accommodate new product categories or new customer bases, um, kind of within weeks, not years?
0: Well, and what's really cool about that is it's not only like, yeah, you're you're actually flexing your products, right? You're last minute deciding, hey, let's uh, let's offer up uh, a, another product in our, our capabilities, but one that. I'm sure they had no experience actually producing prior to that. So to be able to quickly be nimble in that situation is is truly incredible. Uh, I would say too on um, the nimbleness. Do you find how, how is Shopify working to make sure their network is is ready to go? And in, in regards to anyone maybe moving their supply chain closer to home or different emerging economies like we see in Latin America, maybe even India. Uh, how do you work to make sure that the technology is keeping up with those trends as well?
1: Uh, that's it's close to home. Cause actually my team was just in Tijuana today with a merchant that's looking to move a very large apparel distribution um, center for, or manufacturing center from, from the far East to, to Mexico. And the way that we're building is really unique in that we are not building for a static playbook of manufacturing in one place and distribution in another place. What we are really building for is pushing as much of your logistics solution as close to the customer as possible. And so, for example, uh, we run a global freight program Uh, We partner with Flexport to do international shipping from anywhere to any port in the US. And we run our own trucking network, again, to go from anywhere to anywhere in our distribution network in the US. We run really high capacity cross stocks that are able to process inbound inventory from anywhere and get your inventory sellable within basically 10 days all across the United States. And so, What's kind of cool is like, you know, we'll have supply chain consultants come and say, well, do you have a building in Atlanta? And I'm like, that's the wrong question. We don't need a building (laughs) in Atlanta, right? It's like, we are really good at getting stuff all around the country because we have a very rapid, basically like domestic inventory system. And it doesn't matter if we have a building in Atlanta and your co-man is here and your manufacturer is there. Like, that's not the right question for us. We're in the business of moving things as fast as possible. With actually, to tie back to one of your other points, the best inventory visibility as possible using our app.
0: It's incredible, uh, and that's <laughs> I, I spent a good time in, in logistics uh, for an, an LSP prior to this. And those questions always, yeah, make me laugh because it's <laughs> <you're> like, no, <laughs> let's go back to the problem we're solving prior to the already thought of uh, solutions, because I'm sure Shopify, yeah, you've got the network set up. It's just more about empowering what's next, right? Uh, Speaking of empowering what's next, what does the future look like for Shopify and and the trends and innovations that you're looking to focus on uh, to make a huge impact for retailers uh, throughout this next year? Amazing
1: question. So for me, it's a few things. The first is we really want to empower entrepreneurs to grow their businesses as quickly as possible. One of the areas we're really innovating is really redefining the experience around omni-channel retail. Um, I think that what we're probably known for is a one-click, easy-button fulfillment experience for direct-to-consumer, but we're bringing that to e-commerce, pre-built routing guides, pre-built relationships with the biggest retailers where you want your product on their shelves and allowing you to dynamically and seamlessly manage inventory across all of your channels um, is really huge, especially as offline sales comes roaring back. Um, The second is really like our secret sauce comes down to the machine learning that we are putting in to our technology for inventory placement within 100 miles of every U.S. consumer to really continuously raise the bar on on on-time fast deliveries. Um, Yeah. And machine learning that goes into things like demand planning and inventory visibility and inventory planning so that you can get as much juice out of your business um, as possible without having to overstock inventory or run out of stock. Um, One of the other areas that we're really focused on is like application integration and data visibility. Today, like your data starts in your e-commerce store. It kind of goes from there to maybe an ERP or a secondary order management system or a listing tool. From there, it then goes to your 3PL who has whatever WMS spreadsheet uh, may be possible. I was talking to a pretty large retailer who told me their WMS is named Martha. Yeah, she's just a human. <laughs> it's not a WMS. Um <laughs> so by the end of your data going from here to there and everywhere like you're gonna have a ton of mistakes um, and it's the beer problem in supply chain they get bigger and bigger as you go closer to the end of the process what we're creating is just the only vertically integrated solution where the consumer is placing an order in the same system that is controlling the pick pack order management logic down at the warehouse and eliminating all of those failure points that, between the order getting triggered um, and then the item going out to the consumer so that we have the best possible experience and ultimately reduce the cost and the burden for the merchant who's having to navigate across all of those middleware providers. I think our data shows that more than half of our merchants um, are using more than one logistics service, which, um, you know, it's like a lot for an entrepreneur to manage when they need to focus on building cool products and acquiring customers.
0: Exactly. And it's, it's not the responsibility to be a logistics uh, freight nerd like myself and the rest of us. Right. That is uh, the opportunity we'll take on, on for them. Uh, so my, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. I really appreciate your help and hoping to have you guys on too, as you continue to, to work with some of the largest, I mean, your Flexport uh, partnership has been amazing to follow and I can't, I can't wait to see what's in store for your uh, customers down the line so thank you so much and i appreciate your time
1: thank you i loved being here and getting to know you better and really appreciate
0: your support oh of course and for our audience out there we are a community we are not just a podcast so make sure you head to freeways.com click on newsletters click on point of sale and become a part of our community by getting that weekly newsletter every monday and then of course you can check me out on at night uh monday through friday from 5 to 7 p.m on our road dog trucking channel show freightways drive time so go check that out tonight as well until then keep on buying stuff so we still have a show and i will talk to you all next week